and welcome. My name is Carrie Varela. I'm the owner and founder of the Reiki Healing Society, and I'm joined today by Bronwyn Logan and Michaela Daystar, and we are Reiki Women Podcasts. Today in our conversation, we're going to be centering the conversation around what it is to be a professional and within the field of Reiki. So we're going to talk a little bit about logistics, just the logistics of what it takes to be a Reiki professional, um, but then also move into the mindset that it really takes to um, do well in the field of Reiki and a mindset that we can bring um, to our healing sessions and working with our clients and also in our own life, uh, the mindset that we can bring as what it is to be a Reiki professional. So I'd love to turn it over to you two. Who would like to talk a little bit more about just the logistics of so just making that leap from um, taking a Reiki master training and or um, a Reiki three training and then, you know, making that path towards becoming a Reiki professional? I'm happy to head off on that one. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is no, uh, we've talked about that before, no regulation within the system of Reiki. So there's no absolute uh, ruling on any of this. And I know pe lots of people do different things. I'll put forward my suggestion of, you know, what I think sort of works. And uh, as I've also said before, I did work with an association called um, the Australian Reiki Connection in its early days uh, at setting up ideas for that as to, you know, we did have these discussions, what does it mean to be a professional logistically? And uh, so what they would ask then of of their um, members. And uh, I was pretty happy with what we, we came up with, which was that, you know, uh, you can, anyone can be called a Reiki practitioner. So if you've done Reiki one, you can be called a Reiki practitioner. That doesn't mean you're a professional Reiki practitioner, right? So that being a sort of a separate arm, if you like. Uh, but the fact that you've studied the system of Reiki, then you can call yourself a Reiki practitioner. You're someone who practices the system of Reiki. Then uh, if you move past that and you complete um, the second level, then at that level, hopefully there is some training that focuses on actually working professionally. So, um, you know, um, talking about Reiki treatments in a professional perspective. In Reiki 1, I think that, you know, it, everyone should be um, exposed to doing Reiki treatments. So have, because that's where we get our confidence from to actually do hands-on work. If they're not actually exposed to that in the classes, then they'll often go away and they'll feel underconfident and possibly won't continue with their practice. So level two, getting that experience of what it means to be a professional. So discussing that, um, in more detail in, in class. And uh, hopefully, I mean, there are different things uh, that different teachers will have, different setups with that. At the International House of Reiki, we have uh, that you have like a post-training course that you can do where we ask you to do so many treatments and then to send in your um, uh, notes as to uh, how that treatment went. Uh, because the whole thing is that legally we do need to keep notes of our treatment. So if something goes wrong in a Reiki treatment, if someone says, um, you know, that you were sexually inappropriate or something like that, you know, or whatever, um, 
if they were that uncomfortable, that um, that would be something you would note down that the person might feel uncomfortable. Not that, I don't know, that just all came out a little bit weird, but you're not going to, you know, what I'm saying is that, um, so if you uh, if you have notes down, if someone does say that you did something, you can say, well, actually, no, that's not in my notes, and I know that I didn't do it, but it's also not in my notes. So you have that legal uh, bit of paper that just sort of explains very briefly what happened in the treatment. It doesn't have to be in great detail, but something that you have there. So, for example, oh, and you also need to keep those notes somewhere secure, yeah? Um, so that's that's sort of the first basis, I think. Uh, but there are other things we've that, you know, you would need as a, Reiki practitioner uh, to consider yourself professional, I think, rather than just a Reiki course. And that might be some basic counselling. So you know what to say when the person walks in the door and that you don't say the wrong thing. If someone tells you, you know, that they're grieving because a family member's died, that you sort of know how to deal with that rather than making something up that might actually um, exacerbate the situation for the, for the client. Um, so educating yourself as much as possible, uh, as to what it might mean, having your first aid, because if someone is in your care, uh, with a Reiki treatment that if they, if something does happen to them, you know, if they fall off the table and hurt themselves or whatever it might be, then that you have some facility to be able to help them and know what to do. And also, understand about referring on. So if you need to refer that person on to someone else, uh, how that might work. Uh, that's some of the basics for uh, a practitioner. I might just pass it over because there's actually lots to talk about with this. So Michaela, have you got any more to add to that about working as a professional practitioner? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, still in the realm of logistics, you know, some things that come up would be, um, you know, having a business license and and some form of liability insurance. Yeah. Um, a lot of places, um, you know, require that for somebody to, to be holding a business. Other places don't, but it's always a good idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I definitely second having, you know, trainings outside of Reiki specific that help to create a container of safety for our students and for ourselves. Uh, being able to navigate the interpersonal dynamics of having clients, you know, from all different backgrounds coming through our space, um, being able to tend to emergencies uh, if they arise, um, you know, those feel like a lot of the, the logistics. Um, I would put also in that having some business training, you know, I mean, I've, I kind of preach this a lot because I, you know, tried to run my Reiki business and, and called myself a Reiki professional um, for, you know, almost three years before getting any actual, um, training as a, a business person. And, you know, my, my professionalism suffered for it. My business suffered for it. And so I really, um, urge people who don't already have that sort of training, who want to shift from doing Reiki primarily for themselves or primarily as a gift to the people in their lives, um, that you get some sort of support on, on how to run a business and specifically, from a business training that has our kind of business in mind, right? So a business that might be run by a single person, an individual, or just a small team, a business that is focused on helping people in particular realms, you know, healing arts or creatives, those sorts of things, so that there's a little bit more of an understanding of how to help us specifically with the kind of businesses that we have. 
Um, so those are some of the, the logistical pieces that came up um, for me as well. I think I just covered so many good logistics. Um, but I think, you know, um, starting off just having that mindset that like you're um, learning and growing as a practitioner. So I think one of the things that I think is really important um, that I advise my students now is just really not really stepping into that role of spiritual guidance uh, piece, which I think sometimes there's a real pressure to do that, or maybe there is an expectation if somebody's coming to you for Reiki that you can kind of you're mm. out or into it, their, you know, um, life situation or their energy. And, and so I, I really encourage people to keep that very basic of like whatever feedback you provide to your clients. And maybe it, in, it does include like, oh, wow, I really felt a feeling of blocked energy in your leg or, you know, near your heart or something like that. And, and not put a whole lot of meaning behind that, but just say this, this is, simply what I observed. And I think that that's really important. And um, if you feel like you want to step into a role offering more spiritual guidance that like you to do additional training um, on how to do that well, um, because I just really don't feel like, you know, like the Reiki trainings themselves are like an opportunity to learn this healing art. And we put so much into what we can learn in a weekend course. And, um, and I think that the scope of what we can learn through Reiki level one and two and, and three is um, it's actually a little bit li more limited than how it is applied, you know? And so like there's, you know, the training itself, learning how to work with energy, getting comfortable working with clients, but then also, um, you know, as you grow as a professional, um, to gain new skills and new training. So that gives you that sense that like, I feel really confident offering what I have to share with people and what's, you know, what's that calling inside of myself? Like, how do I want to step into that role as healer? And so I think those um, are some of the more important things for me. There's another thing that's like coming to my brain and it keeps like coming in and then leaving and coming in. And then <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, on some of the things that you were saying there, yeah, I do agree. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone should ever say that energy is blocked because I think that's a judgment, right? And mm -hmm. that can freak people out. So, um, you know, feeling something doesn't, can, who are we to say what that is, right? And that's someone else's yeah. energy and their own lives. So, yeah, I certainly, I think learning how to talk around that is is really important, as you say. Um, and what also what you're saying there, Carrie, is really important is this ongoing thing. Yeah, ever since sort of the system of Reiki has come to the West, we've done quite short courses. And I know also in Japan there were, but... Uh, also, there, well, we don't really know what happened in the very beginning of the system of Reiki, but possibly there were more, it was a bit more um, individual and ongoing. So uh, it, it, what we've always tried to do is, um, you know, create sort of that support in some ways. And I know um, you guys, have, you know, think in the same way. And I think most teachers actually who really want to teach and want to see their students be successful will be looking at ways of how they can support them be more professional. 
So ways to do that, you know, there's a lot that you can offer. And I know that people uh, as teachers are doing all sorts of things, you know, extended courses, um, you know, I think maybe Michaela, I don't know, but were you talking about doing like a year thing and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. uh, Yeah. I was just, when you were talking about the, like the way both of you, the way that we tend to cram a lot of information in that weekend format. Um, You know, one of the things that came up around kind of mindsets of professionalism is around, you know, really having integrity with what feels right for us in terms of how we want to impart the information. And so that comes in on the side of being a professional teacher, right? So there's being a professional as a Reiki practitioner offering sessions, and then the potential of being a teacher, which is um, another layer. And, you know, on that side of things, you know, it really felt to me that um, trying to create a container for students to not only learn the logistics of the system, have a direct experience with Reiki, with their own inner uh, experience of it, and impart something about how to then take this out into the world to other people. To do that in a weekend class just started to feel like it didn't fit, like it was out of integrity. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm shifting my classes to eight week classes and offering a, a, a full year training that, you know, for somebody who really wants to work through all three levels in a tight container with a lot of the professional development um, added on to that. Um, and I've been having so much fun creating classes for Reiki practitioners and teachers um, as professional development, as continuing education. Um, You know, that's a model that exists in a lot of different fields where there's um, in some fields, continuing education requirements, you know, that you continue to build on your skills and your knowledge um, within the field and within related fields. And I, I, I like that model. And I, you know, while we don't have requirements for that and within Reiki, um, I love it when folks make that sort of thing available so that we can continue to build and grow. And Bronwyn, you mentioned something, I believe in our last conversation around the value and importance of, of having a mentor, right? Like somebody that, um, not, you know, more formally than perhaps Mm -hmm. we might just have a continuing relationship with our teacher, but perhaps some sort of structure around how we're going to continue to, um, be held accountable and also learn and grow and have somebody to bounce challenges off of. Um, and I, I feel like even though that's not necessarily, it's certainly not required, it's not, you know, something that's standardized, but it feels like a really um, important thing to perhaps start normalizing within our communities. Yeah, I really agree with all of that. I think, um, well, I have a couple things. So the thing I was going to mention came back to me, but it's a little bit more to do with mindset. So I'll, I'll like mention it again when we speak more okay. directly. Oh, I, I feel like we can transition yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it. Okay. Well, okay. So the, the mindset that I, you know, I really struggle with when I see this sometimes is that people put, um, you know, the price of the, of the Reiki trainings are actually quite nominal comparative to like, you know, actually having this be, you know, your career path, right? So it's like, you could probably take Reiki all the way through Reiki three, you know, and spend less than $2,000, perhaps if you have to travel, maybe somewhere around there. And so it's just a very low, um, this kind of low hanging fruit. And so I think that some people look to Reiki as like a quick fix. Um, in, in like, if they're having struggles in their career or looking for a way, you know, to earn money, um, 
you know, of course we all struggle with that. And I think that actually it's, it's really helpful to open that dialogue, especially for women. Uh, because I think, um, at least for myself, I can speak for myself, I think as a white woman, that sometimes there is a societal pressure that everything should just be provided for me. Mm. And it's, it's a subtle thing. It's um, an emotional thing. But I think women, we tend to struggle. I know I tend to struggle. It's just like, I need to make money, you know? And how am I going to do that? And how do I do that with integrity? And so, and those of us who are more spiritually minded, you know, there isn't a whole lot of societal support to be a healer, um, you know, really specifically like a spiritual healer. Maybe you can find that more societal support if you choose to become a counselor or, um, you know, you know, cultivate a different type of way of working with people. Um, but nevertheless, I think that the, sometimes there's a lot of tension around spending money for the Reiki trainings, which I think actually should be much more expensive than they are. And that, mm -hmm. that they could have a whole lot more support built around them. Yes. Um, but one thing that I do struggle with is people's mindset being like, oh God, I can't, I can't even imagine spending $350 to learn this you know, healing art that I could become you know, a practitioner in. Um, it's, it's kind of disturbing to me that people come into it right with this mindset that like, that's all I need as an investment um, to become a Reiki practitioner. And I got to tell you, I'm a Reiki practitioner. And if you took a look at my taxes, I spent a lot of money, like a lot to learn new skills. Like every year I am investing in myself and something new that I can learn um, and, and growing as a healer. And so if you go into this, this, this mindset, like I'm gonna go the cheapest route possible, you're selling yourself short and you really need to look at a longer picture of like, well, what, what does it take to really invest in yourself in order to gain the skills that you really want on the other side of things? So yeah, anyway, that's, maybe that's really interesting. I, uh, I know that part of the attraction actually of the system of Reiki is that unlike so many other modalities, it is that quick fix that you're talking about. That, that's how people see it, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, if I just paid this, then I've got that, you know? And it actually isn't about the doing, it's just about the done, right? Yes. And there's this phenomenon that happens as a result, which is that, you know, Reiki kind of becomes that gateway into other modalities. I know so many people who are like, you know, who done Reiki training at one point or another and work in completely different fields. And it's like, they, you know, the Reiki becomes this background, right? It's yeah. not, it's not active. It like became that stepping stone into other things as opposed to, you know, being perceived and related to as a complete system that holds its own, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I heard a, uh, an interview with Nicholas Pearson the other day. It was a really wonderful, um, insightful interview. And, and he was making this point around this phenomenon of kind of breezing through the Reiki trainings and moving on to something else and like layering on all kinds of other modalities on top of it so that the Reiki gets obscured and that there can be a perception that because the system is simple, that it can be disregarded or it needs to be augmented with other things. Yeah. And I think there's a real, um, we do ourselves a real disservice with that. And there's a real danger on diluting the system with that because the system is in certain ways, very simple, but it is not easy. It's not yeah. easy if we're really gonna ask ourselves, what does it 
require to live our lives as an embodiment of the precepts? What is it actually, you know, ask of us to do that and to, and to walk that path with other people? It's simple, but it's not easy. And that's the, that's the elegance of it is that it is something that can be learned relatively easy, but if we don't engage it and it, we don't continue to walk along with it, then we're going to easily disregard it as something that had minimal value. And I think there's a real danger there. And I, 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 it's an interesting thing, Carrie, thinking of connecting that phenomenon with the low cost of classes. I had never yeah. made that connection. Yeah. And the mindset too. I mean, that's like in Bronwyn kind of mentioned, it's like, oh, this is a quick fix. And I, I see women who, you know, maybe are struggling to, you know, take care of themselves or their needs. And so they look for that quick fix and, um, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. And that's just unfortunate mindset. But, um, I think, and I, I'd love to see more support. I, I really do think that, you know, and I agree with that, that natural evolution, you know, so I first trained, um, you know, a Western style of Reiki. And so, you know, that's kind of like the mindset that's really burned into my brain, but that thought of like Takata, she, you know, she taught in a Reiki level one training, um, you know, that this is to learn how to give Reiki to yourself and others, right? And then you kind of build on that skill in Reiki level two by adding the symbols. And then ultimately there's the 3A master level training, which is more just about embodying the energy at that, that um, at the th level three of Reiki. And then, um, you know, another a training, an additional training to learn how to train others. Um, but I think, I mean, I know for myself as somebody who's trained hundreds of students in Reiki, it's like, my students need my help, Like they need a lot more help, you know, and I'm giving that resource to them mostly for free. And, um, well, maybe you shouldn't be, I don't think I should, I don't think I should have <laughs> to give them for free because, you know, it's my time and I'm a professional, so I shouldn't have yeah. to, but, um, uh, I think it also does a disservice in a way to my students because they don't take it as seriously. And yeah. Um, so, you know, after Reiki level one, yes, like you, you know, I, I totally agree with you. What you were saying to Bronwyn is that, that you want to give them a sense of empowerment. Like I have learned this skill and that's always my goal after Reiki training. I just want them to feel really solid that they know what Reiki is and how to give it to others. Yeah. And that's, and, and to themselves first, actually. And sometimes I'll just focus on, you know, Reiki level one for yourself, especially if we're limited on time, I'll kind of add, you know, giving Reiki to others. But that process of actually giving Reiki to others, you need support. Like you should be going back to your teacher yeah. and you should be like, oh man, I had this treatment and this, this sensation came up or this question came up or, or where do I go to get some resources on how to work with people interpersonally and kind of a counseling like setting and work with people towards their healing goals. Uh, that all, I mean, honestly, it's all can be monetized and a way of supporting uh, Reiki professionals to, you know, earn a better livelihood, but also provide more support and more professionalism for everybody along the path. And, um, and I guess one other thing I can say about that is like, then there's this other leap of teaching Reiki to others. I don't think somebody who's just taking, you know, the three levels of Reiki is really qualified to jump in and then teach Reiki again, like right around. I, I think you have to take the courses at least one time for yourself. Right. And then like, 
take it again to just observe your teacher and and understand some of the subtle details and and it's a whole it's a whole ball of wax too to train other people and train adults and and be able to speak to people um in a way that feels authentic to you and and how you want um to come across too and i think one of the things that michaela was saying i'm just like rambling on now but (laughs) what i think is so interesting is that feeling of like oh i don't feel like i'm in integrity to do this and Mm -hmm. I think that it just even knowing that takes an intuitive skill that you need to learn as a practitioner mm-hmm. of like being like, huh, that doesn't really quite feel right. And I don't know why it doesn't feel right, but I need to take a step back from that yep. and, and feel into that and understand why it doesn't feel like a green light go. Um, yeah. And, and learn how to navigate that kind of very subtle language of energy, which is, is incredibly complex and not simple at all. <laughs> it's like probably the most complicated thing you could ever unpack because there's no books out there, <laughs> no like training on really how to do that or no method, uh, methodology, I should say. Yeah, the simplicity of it is deceiving. And that's, that's what I know you were saying before as well. Look, there's a couple of things I've, uh, was thinking about I mean yeah I we, look we've monetized things so you know that that's what you're talking about so you know people can have an hour training they can come to the practice groups you know there's four of them a month they're virtual um way and and those people the people that come to those tend to come to them constantly so it it really is obviously a really great resource um, for students to be able to have that. So putting those sorts of things in place for students, I think is is incredibly important as a teacher. Yeah. And um, me, oh well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about money another day about, you know, I think about what what how how we work that out financially. But um I do think that's in you know important to to monetize because you are a professional and that's the mindset that you need to actually be paid for your time and your work. Yep. Because then we were talking about this last week, then you can actually set up and make something uh, professional for your students. Otherwise it's not professional because you haven't got the time or energy to actually put something together and, and should students know that, you know? So um, yeah. Uh, but the other thing that I want to talk about was we becoming a Reiki teacher. Okay, so the logistics of that, we talked about becoming a practitioner, but the logistics of becoming a, a teacher. Uh, so Carrie, you were saying, you know, you, you to actually teach, you feel that people need to really, um, you know, be 100% certain about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I think absolutely. So how do we get people to that point? Because yes, there are these short classes still, um so the, the thing is to set up uh ways for students to stay in that sort of space as student and and develop so things like the practice groups like we were just talking about and uh, ways of extending that offering uh extra education there's the you know I did things like I did a business course I did a uh, we have things here called certificates that you can learn as you learn a trade I did a certificate for in in small business a certificate for in teacher training um 
whatever I've also had other teacher training so what whatever you can bring in to support you that may not even be a part of the system of Reiki but that can support you with that then definitely you know add to that to to help you be a better teacher now the other thing that I want to talk about there is maybe mindset and that is when we use the term Reiki master. Right from the beginning, I had issues with the term Reiki master. And because of the mindset that it holds, which is I am a master of this, right? But, you know, you're a master of what, right? And you've done like a couple of days course and now you're a master? I don't think so. You know, that's not to me, that doesn't make sense. Someone can call themselves a master possibly, but I think it's more for the student to call the teacher a master. Well, and traditionally, that's yeah. how the, the title, you know, the title is conferred upon, yeah. right? And, and, you know, one could say that the teacher confers the title after doing the class, but I, you know, I completely agree that mastery, mm-hmm. right? Mastery happens over time. Mastery of anything. Yeah. Any of anything, you know, a baby learning to walk, you know, takes a lot of time to get. Actually, what do they say? Ten thousand hours, ten thousand hours to learn something. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and so I've I've always found that very curious, and I I was never comfortable with that um, phrasing, and you know, finally, kind of really worked out what felt felt off about it, and um, just have, have never felt comfortable you know, utilizing that terminology. And I don't think it's, it's not necessary, right? It's like, it's, it's, it should be clear enough, you know, to state that we are a Reiki practitioner, that we are a Reiki teacher, that we have done so for X number of years, that we have these types of experiences that help a person understand, you know, where we're at, as far as our ability to, um, you know, to hold space for whatever is happening. There's no integrity in saying you're a Reiki master. Yeah, I actually don't feel. Yeah, it's a nasty term. I, yeah. I just it, it just doesn't bring up the right kind of rapport and relationship you want to have. And yeah. um, you know, I've used that term and through my you know for several years in my business, and I I, I kind of just did it because I just wanted people to know I was a professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't know how else to describe that for people. And then what was the joy was like, I, I saw, I just, I just don't like the word. I just don't. And so I went through this period where I just, I just took it away. I took it off all of my website, off of my email, off of everything. And I shed this, this kind of nasty word of master and I just set it aside and I realized that it doesn't really matter what your mindset that you approach if you use that term is that you're going to take on some subtle um, ego. Arrogance. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's just no way you can't. And then and, and it's also a disservice to our students because I see so many people being like, my Reiki master or my master. And I'm like, oh, that's so nasty. Like, and that's not how I want to relate to my students. As, and, um, and it's also a totally racist term, um, if you think about it, because if you look at Orientalism, I, uh, you know, Orientalism is this idea of like, oh, this like kind of mythology of the East and this is how they do things. And, and I think that there is this like Western myth that, um, you know, like your enlightened teacher is a master, but I don't even think that that's really part of the language. I could be wrong, but more, it's more of like a term of respect or 
um, somebody being a teacher uh, or, you know, a gifted at transmitting that to, to, to others. And so it's, it's more of like a veneration and respect to your teacher. Um, yet we've, we've, in the West, you take on this term master. And I, I don't know, I mean, Bronwyn, you're, you're the expert there, but um, I don't I'm think an expert, but <laughs> <laughs> No, but honestly, from the very beginning, I wiped it completely, exactly what yeah. you're saying. And people were like, yeah, but are you a Reiki master? And I'd be like, I, I don't know what I gained mastery the over thing. the, the okay. system. No, I have not. <laughs> I, I am practicing at a level. I, I am practicing at the highest level that is able to be studied. And I am I doing think, my best. Yeah. You know? That's why people found it hard to let go of the Reiki master thing. I think in truth, I think a lot of people feel exactly like you, Carrie, you know what you're saying. And and I think that uh, the thing is that letting letting go of it was difficult because everyone else says they're a Reiki master. So then there's like this comparing apples and oranges and which is what, you know. Um, but that's why that was the fortune of uh, writing a book, you know, that you can you can put it in a book and then, you know, and, and then people are like, oh, that makes sense. So you can get yeah. it out there more. No, people listen to you then. Yes, yeah, I do. <laughs> but I mean, I think in my bio, I just have to be kind of clear. I'm like, I'm a Reiki practitioner. And that's yeah. just what I say. I'm a Reiki practitioner and teacher. And so if you know, if you're a Reiki geek, you probably know that I've had to have taken a Reiki master training to be a teacher. <laughs> if you look at my, you know, like if you know the intricacies of that, then I think you'll figure it out. But it's just such an unnecessary term. It's a, it's a really unfortunate mindset that we're bringing. Um, and and well, I, I think it causes a lot of people to not really respect Reiki either because they're like, right. what? You went yeah. on a weekend course and now you're a Reiki master? And I'm like, I don't know. I saw you like boozing it up at the <laughs> last weekend or whatever. I, mean, I don't want to judge that. But, you know, like there's just a lot of, uh, I don't know, projection that can happen. Well, and I, and I think like, you know, thinking back, as you mentioned, that um, that title is one that... Um, rightfully is conferred by those who have experienced one's practice. And so, you know, I have a, a student who's worked with me for a long time, um, two in fact, who routinely introduced me as their Reiki master. And I've I talked to both of them about that and just explained, you know, my feelings about, you know, not um, wanting to put that on, you know, that title on myself for the reasons that we're talking about here. And both of them in various conversations, you know, have said, you know, but that's how I experience you because that is the value that has been brought to my life. And so I feel comfortable using that term. And so from that conversation, it's like, okay, I feel comfortable with you introducing me that way because you've explained that, that that's how you actually feel, right? It's not that I've told you to tell, call me that, right? Yeah. And so I think there was some subtlety that can, that can happen there, but it really comes back to, to humility, right? It's like, do we... You know, how do we hold ourselves in our practice? And I feel like if I, I, I know for me, if I got it in my mind that I am a master of anything, then my willingness and my ability to do the hard work of continuing to investigate deeper layers within myself um, around, you know, my progression in that area uh, is going to be diminished, right? That, that ego thing of like, oh, I've arrived somewhere, right? I'm a master. And so I've arrived somewhere and therefore I don't have to do the work anymore. That's right. Um, 
And that's, I think, I mean, I think that's a very, uh, that's a mindset that is reflective of our culture. And I don't think that's reflective of the original use of that terminology. And so I think it's just safer for us to, to just not use it. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I understand that thing of respect. I mean, we, you know, respect is a really important part of, of, of all of our lives. And, you know, I respect you guys. Um, it, it doesn't mean that I, uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, I have to call you master or whatever, but I, I understand if someone wants to do something like that, then well and good. But, uh, you know, I, we, we should respect our teachers. Yeah, hopefully. And, uh, and it's what we put out there also comes back, you know, that we, that they should also respect us. Yeah. So I think it's a part of that respect as well for our students that uh, that we don't falsely uh, put a false image on ourselves and pretend to be something that we actually aren't. Yeah. There was something I wanted to go back to um, when you were talking about uh, teaching as a as a professional category that's separate from um, practicing, and uh, I. I I feel really passionate about that because I've, I've always felt like um, teaching teachers is a really important role and teaching practitioners is a really important role to hold. And it's one that I've held in various capacities. And, you know, I just really want to, to emphasize like kind of two sides of this, like on the one hand, I don't want it to feel daunting to people who feel compelled to teach that, oh, there's like so many different layers of having to get there. On the other hand, I want to emphasize what Carrie was saying that teaching is a whole separate skill set from practicing Reiki, right? And that not everybody wants that, right? And so when I was trying to navigate, well, what do I include in my Reiki three classes, right? And how do I account for teaching? Um, you know, a couple of things became clear. Number one, a lot of the students who came to me are not interested in teaching. And so in embedding teacher training inside of every Reiki three class was not a good use of their time. Mm. And that there was a lot of layers of skill that I wanted to help people develop when they did want to step into teaching. And so I really, you know, strongly support separating out those two aspects of a Reiki three training and really, you know, allowing people to kind of meet us where they're at, right? Because some people are already teachers. They already have the skill set of the teacher. Um, I did a very comprehensive, like years long teacher training through another organization around um, teaching like spiritual self-reflective material. So I felt very competent stepping into Reiki teaching in that particular arena. Um, there were other aspects of teaching that I did not yet know, right? And so, you know, I just want to emphasize that becoming a teacher might actually require, you know, a little bit more consideration of where the student is at um, and maybe a little bit more customizing or at the very least understanding what are the foundations that people need. They need to understand how to impart information in a way that's receivable. They need to understand how to design curriculum, how to write a manual, as we talked about in a previous conversation, how to you know, create teaching materials that are valuable and useful. Um, 
you know, how to conduct a class, right? How to deal with interruptions, how to deal with transitions from one topic to the next. You know, there's like so much subtlety there. And it's really, I mean, I, I love teaching those, those aspects. Like I love teaching teachers and uh, it feels very joyful to have that be something that we can be walked through um, independent of our Reiki training. And if we don't want that, that we don't necessarily have to deal with any of that in a Reiki mm. training. So um, I really uh, appreciate the, you know, and there's a lot of diversity in how people approach this. Um, you know, there's a very wide spectrum of how people approach when and if teacher training is going to be included in, in uh, their Reiki trainings. And it's, it's a really interesting topic to me um, that I feel really passionate about. So I wanted to just be sure to cycle back to that. And I also think uh, just to tag on what you were talking about, Makila, is there is a real depth around what what would it look like to, you know, take the Reiki 3 training and just use it for my own self-growth, you know, and that there's so much nurturing and there's so much um, disservice we can do to those students as well when we're just kind of trying to, you know, do the best of both worlds and... And again, navigate and juggle with like a lot of expectations uh, out of a weekend course. Of, you know, with, yeah. you're gonna come out of master. And a teacher. And a teacher and this and. Um, <laughs> it's so important to discern these different these different roles right inside of the system, and um, you know, to give people spaciousness. I mean, this is why I am have transition to this year-long container for people who want to do a deeper dive because we really want to give people space to take on these different roles and have enough time in between to integrate and to put them into practice, right? If one wants to be a teacher, then one should be have the opportunity to do student teaching with their with their teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Get some uh, practice teaching something before they're completely responsible for doing that. I mean, I think that's just doing our diligence. Um, And so, yeah, creating enough flexibility inside of our structure so that people can be met in what they are most interested in doing and take on these different roles. A person might not even intend to teach, but if they're given the opportunity to come teach Josh and Kokyoho in a class, right, just teach that one practice in that one class, that could spark something for them that you know, that they didn't necessarily know was there. So we have to create enough space around it for people to, to take that on. Mm. Yeah. Change people's mindset that Reiki isn't a quick fix. You know, I think it really starts there. It's, you gotta be willing to do the work. And, um, you know, if, if I look back on it and I look back at all the investment that I've put in to Reiki and learning, I probably come away with like uh, the same amount of tuition as an undergraduate degree or, you know, (laughs) something else. So, you know, I think if you look at it that way, maybe there is, you know, if you're looking for a quick fix, I think, you know, doing something a little bit more traditional sometimes (laughs) might be more quick um, to gain a new skill, you know? So it's, um, yeah, just an important shift that we can create. I think we're all really on the same page about, you know, all of these transitions and probably seen so many of our students do it well and some do it poorly. And, um, and so I hope this conversation really sparks um, some dialogue and, and maybe rethinking how Reiki is trained, how you train in Reiki and, and how we can support our students uh, long after our weekend courses together. Absolutely.
Does anyone else have anything to add before we wrap up for today? No, I, I, there was one thing we didn't mention, which was associations. And I think something like that is a great thing to be involved in keeping that community thing. You know, we talked about mentorship, whatever ways we could, we can find uh, support apart from our teacher, uh, then uh, that that's a great thing to do as well. And actually here in Australia to actually be a professional uh, practitioner, uh, not even a teacher, professional practitioner, uh, insurance requires that you are a member of an association. Yeah. So um, I think that, I think, and I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. Yeah. I think so too. I think, and I think for a period of time, I really reached out to associations as to, again, to give me a, a bigger sense of legitimacy. So I could say, okay. I think at one point I said, I'm a certified Reiki master because, you know, as really being a self-described term, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity, ambiguity around that. And, and there's a, a real desire, I think, to like, you know, right from the outset is just to transmit to, you know, who you work with that, yeah. that you are uh, attempting to work on this professional level and to bring your services um, out there on that level, as opposed to more amateur. Yeah. And I think what I want to end on is that, there's no one way to be a professional that we can take this on into our life in a wide variety of ways. You know, one could have a whole other career happening and still devote the level of integrity and care and training to their, the you know, the Reiki side of their life um, to be called a professional in that realm as well. And I think it's all needed, right? It's like, I, I feel like the world needs all of it. It needs as many people as possible who are doing that internal work first and foremost, um, as many people as possible who are endeavoring to live our lives as an embodiment of the precepts. And then for those who feel authentically called to share that with others in any capacity, whether it's through sessions or through teaching or through conversation, through sharing, you know, in a, in a modality like this podcast, that, that it's needed. Right. And you know, I often have had conversations with people who feel really overwhelmed and feel like it's a saturated market and that there's, um, there isn't room for them. And I want to tell you that there's room for you and it, you know, making that room requires certain things of us, including articulating our values and articulating who we are, what matters to us so that we connect with the right people. Um, I did a, interview on the, the Reiki Business Collective podcast recently around being a values-based business and, and the importance um, you know, to our effectiveness and our ability to connect with the right clients uh, in terms of articulating our values really clearly. And it's, it's all needed, right? And as long as we're approaching it from a place of heart and a place of integrity and a place that's not just about that quick fix and that quick, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, be able to you know, just make some side money on this without having the heart for it. It's totally fine to make side money doing Reiki if you if your heart is in it, um, and if and if it is, it's needed. So, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like the market is saturated, if you're feeling like you're not needed, you are, and there's a way to to contribute. And so, reach out if that's something that um, is on your mind, and if that's uh, a question that you're sitting with, uh, we'd love to have more conversation with you. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, thanks again so much for joining us on this Reiki Women podcast. Um, next week, we're going to dive into a very good question as well. We'll take this topic of professionalism and relate it back to money. Um, so a lot of mindset stuff around that, yeah? <laughs> yeah, there's probably going to be some intensity around that, but it's so good to talk about it, right? It's so yep. good to talk about it. Um, so for now, we're going to say goodbye. And um, if you didn't know, all of us uh, here at the Reiki Women Podcast have cat sidekicks. So we're going to say goodbye. And then also maybe have our little cat come in and say goodbye too. Here's mine. She's right <laughs> oh, mine has appeared. Black on black. But black yes. <laughs> Yeah. And this is a whole different cat sidekick than the one that was with me in the beginning of our conversation. There's oh, just nice. an endless supply of cat sidekicks around. <laughs> mine have well, taken off. Mine, mine was sitting on my lap most of, most of the call. But um, anyways, we'll have more opportunities to showcase our cat sidekicks because we love them. <laughs> all right well thanks again everyone for joining us um please 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 share your questions and comments about this episode with us and we'd love to hear and dialogue further with you and until next time bye bye bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. <laughs>